Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host alongside me. I feel like I just screwed that up pretty bad. <laughs> Did I? It sounded okay to me until you <laughs> decided to stop. I just had a, a brain fart, I guess. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing awesome. Fresh off of a really successful simulated duck hunt with my dad, Fumbles. Limits? Yep. And a bonus goose. Nice. It's probably banded. All blue wing teal and a bonus goose. Was it a banded goose? Any bands? There was an imaginary band or two. Yep. I'll show them to you on my uh, lanyard <laughs> next time I see you. I don't know if you'll be able to see it or not, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, I might tackle you for it, but <laughs> I hope not. You'll say you shot it from Indiana. I'm like, no, I was in Kansas. You didn't. I guess if I, I just... can shoot imagine shoot ducks imaginary, you can kill them from Indiana imaginary too, huh? Yeah. Then I'm gonna take <laughs> it, it off your lanyard though. and and I'll turn it in because it's a, a money band. Yeah, that's a money band. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as fun as last year's, but it was still it was still a lot of fun. I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, probably been more fun of through Smallards. Yeah, I tried it with the mallards, but it didn't work. I went to the same place, but it didn't work out. But, you know, those those little blue wings full plume come in and land in 15 yards from you is awful fun. There's nothing um, bad about that at all. That's that's really enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. Got the dog some good work and got to work on Georgie's whining. He was doing some whining. You just hitting the e-collar? Yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I, I don't know. I'm getting mixed messages on tra- some trainers saying like Freddie King says, that's what you do. You say quiet. Then you give him a little Nick with the collar and you say quiet and you just repeat that repetitively. But I had yeah. someone else at the, on the retriever trainer saying that that tends to make dogs more vocal when you do that, which that was my experience that day where candy was retrieving and I was just quiet and quiet, quiet, quiet. And it was made, she was more and more vocal the entire time. Finally, she calmed down and got quiet on it but it seemed like it was making her more vocal i read that you spray him in the face with like lemon juice is one <laughs> way to stop their whining huh i don't know i don't know i, I gotta figure it out she she doesn't whine as bad as like some dogs are really loud whiners and and she's not a really loud whiner but i man if <laughs> i can get it stopped i've got to get it stopped it drives me nuts yeah me too it's uh yeah I have that. I have that problem with Chief too, and uh, it literally it's really bad. So, but he only does it like if like we let them land or like he can't go do the retrieve because he's not he's not really used to honoring honoring because I don't hunt with a lot of people the, until this year. Um, previously, I just almost never hunted with other people who had dogs. So, um, I guess we I did a here and there, but it's got even worse and. Uh, and if he has to honor or like we don't get the birds right away, like he is whining so loud, it sounds like he got shot. Yeah, I can't stand that. That's a real pain in the butt. I hate I, it she's too. She's gotten that way worse with honoring too. So I'm going to set up some sessions 
with my buddy Philip Boyles. He's my duck carver friend, and uh, he's got a FLK dog. Well, it's actually not from FLK, but it's the the stud was from uh, Flatlander Kennels. And so we're gonna do some stuff where I just make Georgie watch, and I sit there and I work work with her. Um, but she's getting worse about that too. The honoring. Nice. Good deal. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I am getting super jacked about. Turkey season. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm going hunting. I'm going turkey hunting too. So nice. I'm doing it. Nice. When's your opener? Yeah. It's already open, but I'm going out to Golden Boy's uncle's farm this weekend. And we've got Saturday and Sunday. And there's a lot. They always kill birds out there. Awesome. It's like. Everyone he takes out there kills a bird except for me. I've been down there twice and it hadn't <laughs> happened either times. It's like, he's like, only you, only when you go. So I'm going to go down there and my main goal is just to film it. So I don't care if I film him shooting one or if I shoot one, I don't care. I just want to, I want to get a nice turkey video out of it and get some content on YouTube. So I don't, I don't need to be the, the shooter or anything. I'm just glad to be down there. We're going to do some fishing and camp out and I get to meet his new puppy and, and Georgie gets to hang out with us. So it'll be cool. Do some training during the day Saturday. There you go. Sounds like it. It should be pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'd it just be Golden and his dad will be down there. And his dad's going to go off one area, turkey hunting, and Nate and I are going to go to another on the farm. And we'll see. We'll nice. See. Yeah, so we open up here a week from today. But by the time this comes out, you know, <laughs> let's see. It'll be yeah. it'll be open. We'll be open, right. um, and hopefully I'll have a big tom down. But we open up a week from today, um, and I've got a new spot this year. And me and my dad went out and scouted it. Actually, took uh, we took Brookie with us too. Um, so just walking around, checking it out, and looking for sign. And it was kind of funny. Um, she picked up a turkey feather. <laughs> And yeah. she found it. She found the turkey feather, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, then she she stuck it on her backside and said, "Look, I'm a turkey." <laughs> <laughs> Just came up with that all on her own. So it was it was pretty funny. But um, I'm I'm getting super jacked for it. It's just I, I, honestly, I love turkey hunting, you know. But it's something that's it's so different than waterfowl hunting because waterfowl hunting eats up like five months of your your life every year. Um, you're going hardcore from September 1st through like the middle of February and Turkey can be like one day. So, um, you can just be one, you can go there on the first day and you could tag out. So in, in Indiana where it's only a one bird state, um, but something I'm doing different this year, I actually got an invite from a buddy up North, um, to go hunt his property for Turkey. So I'm going to be doing that too. So super excited about that. Um, and I have made, I made my first shotgun purchase I've made in five years. So really, I, this is the first I've heard of this. Yeah. It's uh, but I'm going to keep it a secret what it is right now. Oh, I've got an idea. <laughs> I've got an idea what it is. It's a turkey gun. So it is a turkey gun. It, you know, I mean, it can be used for waterfowl too, but it, that's not what I thought it was. I thought you were going high prairie on us. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. I'll, I'm going to leave it a secret for now. 
So, but I did. I do have it. Today? Are you going to tell it on this episode or not at all? No, not at all. So do I? So it's a secret from me too. Oh, I can. Yeah, I can tell you episode. after it. But I don't know why you keep it a secret. I just I feel like the suspense have it shown in the video. They're just annoyed. It's not suspenseful. It's just annoying okay. people that you're not going to share your <laughs> shotgun. Okay. Okay. All right. I will share it. I'll share it with with you. Yeah. Right, what is it? Right now. Go. Okay. You got. Let's hear what your guess is. You, you think it's a twenty-eight gauge? I was thinking twenty-eight gauge. That's what I thought. But then you said turkey gun. Yeah. And if you think a twenty-eight gauge is a turkey gun, then you're an idiot. <laughs> What's, not that you can't kill turkeys with a twenty-eight gauge. You can, but it's not a turkey gun. Yeah. Well, the one that I got is literally in the name description or name title. It's a turkey. Um. So that's why I said it's it? turkey gun. It is a Mossberg SA. 410 semi-automatic. <laughs> 410, that is, how is that a turkey gun? Dude, that's all the rage right now with turkey guns is 410s. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep, it's a big deal, man. All right, so how much did it cost? <laughs> <laughs> um, it? I don't know. Now, now I'm going to have to say it on here, Spit but what if out. I got a bad deal? Spit it out, what was it? It's $700. I don't know what to say about that. Is that not a good deal? <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I, it's not a deal I would make. I wouldn't. Not that. I mean, I'm sure the money's worth it. I just. But you've got a lot more shotguns than I do. And why? Why would you go 410 and not a 28 gauge? Um. So the reason I went 410. So honestly, I, I got it one because it's cool and I would like to shoot it. But uh, really, I got it because. Um, my thought is like, I really want to have something that's low impact. We've talked before about kind of my experience starting off with a 20 gauge single shot and how that was pretty rough on a young kid trying to get into hunting. Um, and you know, partially my own fault on that, but also that gun just kicked like crazy. So I still have that gun. It's right behind me. But, uh, um, but I got, I got, um, nephews and you know maybe even some nieces who knows um and my own kid but she's she's a ways off from but i just want to have a gun that one i can start them to shoot a shotgun um and i feel like if i get like target loads on a 410 that's going to be the least impact possible um how long how long is it 26 inch barrel they had 20 they had 24 but what i will sell you my mossberg 500 410 it is the ultimate kid's gun because it's short. It's too short. I can't use it. It's too short. Is it, what is it, 24 inches? I'd be shocked if that thing was for Maybe it's not the barrel that's short. It's the. Just, the it's a youth model, it's, right? Yeah. It's a it's a 410 Mossberg 500 youth model. Yeah. It's a sweet little pump gun. It's black. And it's just, I can't imagine in what scenario I will ever use this gun because. None of my kids hunt, so their kids aren't going to hunt unless, I mean, I try to, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, it's just sitting there. But it's a nice little gun. Nice. So he shot his first duck with it. There you go. Yeah, I might buy it off you. Yeah, I definitely could have some use bucks. for it. 700. No, 700 bucks. I don't think it's worth 700. <laughs> but it is a fantastic kid's gun. It's yeah. a fantastic kid's gun. Nice. So I kind of wanted one. Like, I wanted one that I could shoot just for fun. Like, if I wanted to go kill a turkey with the 410 in the decoys, like it, it'd be a lot of fun. Right. But then, yeah. but the real reason I went with that 
and not something that's more useful for me is because I just have a lot of opportunities coming up with kids, you know, yeah. to, to help get kids introduced into hunting and shooting guns. And, um, and yeah, that, that's my thought on it. You know, and I, my oldest yeah. nephew is probably not old enough to hunt Turkey. Maybe, maybe he could, but I'm just like, I'm getting prepared for it. So I, I just need to get the gun in his hand, see how heavy it is for him, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then when they, when he does it, I don't want to ruin it for him because it's, uh, it scares him or it hurts him or it's, you know, but if I don't have, if I don't have anything, that'll just never happen. You know what I mean? If you don't have that gun, I can't be like, Oh, well, let's, well, let's go shoot today, you know, um, yeah. to kind of get him into it. So just making that investment for, for the future, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited yeah. about that. Um, as far as using it and for getting them, them involved too. So is the is the stock long enough that you can shoulder it and everything with no problem? Yeah, yep. So hopefully it's not too big for them, but we'll f- we'll figure out. We'll find yeah, out. I don't think I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, that sounds cool. I, I hope to see you killing some ducks with that this year. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, I definitely plan to. Um, I plan to do my if I, if I you know if I get the right situation so. I think I don't the, know that you have the self control to take out a four ten. I don't know if you can have what it takes to limit yourself to what it to the proper ethical range. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure I could. Someone like Matt, he can he can ethically do that. But you, I think, I don't know. I think in you is a skybuster just dying to get out. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've definitely you know I've had some urges. And and uh, sometimes they overtake you, but <laughs> but you know, like a little wood duck hunt or something like that, you know, where they're just plopping right in your mojo. Yeah. Now I'd probably shoot them in the air. I wouldn't wait till they land and say, "Hey, bird, hey," you know, that gets boring. But you know, so have you ever taken a shot and thought or said to yourself? Man, I I would not want Elliot or Matt to ever see that I took pulled the trigger on that one. <laughs> I wouldn't care if uh, Matt did, but I've, I've probably said that you know thinking about you. <laughs> I mean, especially like early on, I think that's just a common thing. Like when you get frustrated as uh in the earlier stage hunter, sometimes it, the frustration would get the better. You know, it's just and and you take a shot that like. You can't get the birds to finish for nothing, or they just you just have a passing shot come by, and and your desire to kill birds anyway, you know, is is pretty high when you first start out. So, but I've right. I've come past I've come past that, and there's plenty of times where people I hunt with will shoot, and I I don't even pull up, you know. So, yeah. Uh, on that vein, on that note, guys, are those of you listening, if you're sitting with your buddies. And the scenario that Jordan just said comes about, and your buddy says to you, what do you think? Should we take them? The answer is automatically no. Because if that is said, that means the bird's at about 50 to 60 yards. That's not necessarily true. I've had situations. What do you, what do you think? What do you think? Should we take them? Should we try oh, Should we try them? Not should we take I had, them? I had one scenario. What do you think? Should we try them? That's about a <laughs> That Yeah, that I don't like that word, that phrasing. But you could say that at any any range. Um but that's when it's typically the trademark of that. I had I had one scenario this year where um 
I was a shot caller, and I said to the guy, I said, do you want these? Because, like... That's a different phrase. Yeah. And so, but it's, I feel like the same sentiment, right? Because I'm like, no. they're they're coming across, and they're giving us a decent look, but could it be better? Maybe. Or right. maybe they right. fly past us, exactly. and we never see them again. <laughs> yeah. that See, that's a totally different phrase than should we try these. Yeah. Do we but, want these is like, that's especially like, you know, if you're trying to... Um, pull in a whole group, let's say, and two fall out of a group, and you're like, "Oh man, should should we go for these two, or should we wait and try to get the whole flock in?" Versus, you would never say, "Should we try these on birds with their feet down?" Yeah, yeah. If it's a single with his feet down, and there's a group of twenty behind him, you wouldn't say, "Should we try it?" Yeah, That's a, but you might say it at like thirty yards. What, what if someone like it? Just depends on what your I don't think so. your different range is. Say, "Should we try these at thirty yards?" You might. Yeah, I guess okay, the, the, give me, give I me the think, scenario. Give me the scenario in which you would use that phrase at thirty yards. Um, well, you'd be a, an avid Bobby Guy watcher on YouTube, and uh, <laughs> I'm get emails coming out, man. Your because be that isn't that what phrase he uses. <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch his videos. Yeah, I don't oh, watch his videos. Anymore. Okay, I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, it's just a joke. Okay, everybody can take jokes, right? Check, check your no. Check your inbox. See if you got any emails. Uh, there's there are no not any emails and email. Okay. Singular. So, anyways, let's go back to the scenario. So they're coming around at thirty yards, and maybe they've already circled once. They're on their second circle, and you're like, "Should we try these?" Because you don't know if they're going to finish all the way, and you might lose them. So it could I be. I don't think you would use the phrasing "Should we try these?" in that scenario. Next time I hunt with you, should that's we, you I'm going to say that in every block. These. You would say, should we take these? I, I get, yeah, I guess that's the difference. Because when you say try, it feels like you are um, giving the perception that there's a pretty decent chance that you won't hit them. Or there's like, it's like a 50-50, right? We'll try to hit these. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like, yeah, do you... Should do you take these? Yeah. Totally different. Yeah, I said, do you want these, is what I said. Do you, do you want this? Right. Yeah, and that's fine. That That's a perfectly, that can be used in a Because we had a, in the, the whole scenario on this one, we had a flock of geese, and they're coming right in, and they circled overhead, probably 25, 30 yards. And I said, do you want these? You know, the other option is we try to work them one more time to get yeah. them closer. And the guy's like, yeah. And then uh, he actually shot two with one shot. So, um, and then it took me three shots to kill my one because I, I, I hit him on the first shot, but he just was wasn't like super super going down. So I followed him the whole way, and he never shot again. He just shot one time and knocked down his two. So, anyways, the podcast topic for today, guys, we're going to be talking about sub gauges. So, um, perfect. yeah, perfect for me announcing that I bought uh, a super cool four ten that I, when I hunt with Elliot next, I'm, that's all I'm hunting with. So. Uh, that would be fine. I I would like to. Well, we'll talk more. Doesn't about doesn't your buddy Matt Farmer do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This, He's I, got a four ten. I don't know what all he has. I know that at times he uses a four ten and just tries to get mallards in super tight. And nice. I, we just talked to Chris Jobman. He does the same thing. So. Oh yeah, I forgot he said that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was say, in my. Did he say four ten or was he twenty eight gauge? I don't remember. But they're definitely shooting sub gauges. No, they shoot. I feel like twenty eight gauges are like the posers. I didn't realize that Chris Jobman had that level of shot selection like he was telling us about. I was You're happily – I wouldn't say I was surprised. I just had uh, no, I was surprised. Like, I was surprised because nobody from Nebraska is like that. 
All right. One person from Nebraska 500, or the two people actually from Nebraska 500 with are exactly like that. They're two for two. Ben, my the guy Teal Hunt with, he's he's an amazing shot. His he keeps his full shooting percentage on hunt stats, and he's always like upper sixties for a full year. Hey, what, there's someone else from Nebraska you hunted with that his I remember. His shot in, selection's phenomenal. I just remember in the the Teal Hunting video though, they wanted to stand up and shoot, and you kept telling them no. It's all right. I'm just making everybody mad at me right now. It's a joke. Is that really happening? You're just making it up. Oh, I feel like it did, but I haven't watched that in what, like four years? Which honey? Which honey video are you talking about? That's an early season teal hunt where you took Ben and his buddy. Oh well, yeah. They, I guess they're in Nebraska. No, no, they they're, they took a couple shots early that were just really fast pass shots over their head, but they were still like within twenty yards. Mm. Okay, they weren't up high, but. I did have to. I didn't scold him, but I was like, "Let's just." You just wrapped him on the knuckles a couple down times. The decoys. They they did well. That was an awesome day. They did well. Alrighty. Okay, so podcast today we're going to be talking about sub gauges. We actually got a question from uh, one of my buddies, Matt, um, who I met last year. I talked to him in um, uh, Facebook Messenger or Instagram or or something like that, and found out that we're both going to be hunting. Um, around the same spot on the opener in UP Michigan. So I actually ran into him out there. And we we talked and um, super cool dude, duck hunter, diehard just like all of us. And uh, anyway, so he put this message into me uh, or into the podcast, and uh, it's about sub gauges. And honestly, I don't think he's going to like that I bought a four ten from what he's saying. So I think that's his stance on it. But I'll read it all when we get into it. But um, so stay tuned for that. Um, but before that, let's get a quick word from our partners and we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Um, guys, again, turkey season. So a perfect time to talk about getting permission for turkey, but all this relates to waterfowl as well. But um, you have the app on your smartphone in the palm of your hand. You can have it on your computer at home as well, um, but you're able to click right there on property owners or, or public land and see where you stand in public land. For private land, you click on it, you see the tax information, and you go knock on the door, and you get that permission. So it's been awesome to have that at my access. Not only that, but uh, having being able to mark pins. So uh, I put up some trail cameras. You can mark that right on Onyx, open them up your map, and you can see your pins for trail cameras. You can see your pins for when you've marked turkey or whatever. So um, it is a great tool for hunters and waterfowl hunters or just hunters in general. So check them out, guys, Onyx. If you need your new gear for next year, go to Banded.com or a future sporting goods store. Look for those products, Banded, GHG, Avery. They're all under the same umbrella. I've already started looking at the websites and eyeballing things I want for next year. I just ordered a six-pack of bumpers for Georgie to use. So make sure and go and check out Banded.com, what they've got. Right now, they start their spring 70% off sale, too. I just got the email, and I was looking through there, so... Um, go to the website and check that out because you can get some amazing deals and they go fast. So you want to go and check those spring sales out for them every single year. Banded.com. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks to Tetra, Tetra Hearing. Um, guys, it is the hearing choice for protection that Ellie and I both use. Um, it is great for that waterfowl scenario. 
scenario. Uh, we all know the old waterfowl hunters that have been hunting their whole life, and you have a conversation with them. And sometimes it's hard to carry on just because you get a lot of huh or what's. Um, and, you know, it's it's up to us as waterfowl hunters uh, to protect our own hearing. There's a lot of gunfire that goes on um, in waterfowl hunts more than really any other type of hunting, maybe dove hunting. Um, but um, they have the perfect solution for that. You get to still hear the sights and the sounds, the birds, the whistling wings, the ducks quacking, all that. But then, bam, when your gun fires, it cancels out that noise. And uh, you still get to experience the duck hunt, but keep your hearing. So it's the best of both worlds. Um, check them out, guys. TetraHearing.com. If you enjoy our podcast or our YouTube content and you want to support Jordan and myself, the best way that you can do that is just go to these products that we're talking to you about and support them. It really helps us out. We wouldn't be supporting these companies if we didn't use it ourselves and truly believe in it. Also, if you want to support us, another way to do it is go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. There, Jordan and I have a big surplus of extra content for you to check out, and you can just interact with us and the group over there. And every single Sunday, we're coming out with some type of new content and get geared up because we're doing our second ever hunt giveaway. And so in August, we're going to do a drawing, and the winner will get to come hunt with Jordan and myself, but you have to be over there on patreon with us in order to get entries so every single month you get more entries added up and then in august we'll do this big hunt giveaway which is going to be amazing so go on over there patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting you also get the hunt stats app along with that so go check it out and see if it's something that you might want to do awesome also like to give a big thanks to motion ducks uh guys motion ducks is the the Decoy spreader. It is the uh, jerk rig on steroids. It is perfect for those no wind days. It is the solution to get that motion in your set, the lifelike motion. If you haven't seen it in video, man, words are hard to describe it. Um, it's so much better to see it in the video form. Check it out on either one of our channels um, or at Motion Ducks. They have videos of it in, in in use. But just like the traditional jerk rig, except for all the decoys are spread out on the spreader. Um, they have the regular spreader, and then they have the ultimate. That's seven ducks. The regular is four. Um, but Ella and I, we both won't we won't hunt without it on a, a no wind day because it's so it's so much better having those ripples in your set. So check them out, guys. You won't regret it. Motionducks.com, and the code for that is DuckGun2020 for ten percent off. Alrighty, let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast. So. I'm going to go ahead and read the message we got from my, we got the message. I told him I love the, I love that topic. Um, in Elliot, we've talked about it from time to time on the podcast, but I feel like it's a good time to reach back in there. Um, Oh, one thing to talk about. One thing I want to mention too. Um, we give Matt a lot of crap, but, um, it's well-deserved for him to get that, but he just did an article. <laughs> Uh, with uh, I with, thought you were gonna say something <laughs> nice, and you just doubled down on it. I, you were... <laughs> I was. I am. I'm you trying to say something nice. I am. Just like no. I am saying something nice right now. So he actually did an article for Wildfowl on the 28 gauge. So super cool. Congrats to him. Um, I think that's super cool. So uh, glad he got that opportunity and. Um, 
The only problem is, is his chest is going to be puffed up even more than usual. So he's like one of the most humble people I've ever <laughs> yeah. met. He's like one of the nicest. Oh, that's people. that's how he acts around like, you. But when you're yeah, gone, man, he's yeah. a jerk. <laughs> uh, it's like people that only listen to our podcast but don't really know Matt that well have just like the total opposite perception of how he uh, actually is. No, that's not true. Elliot's lying. <laughs> One of us is it. <laughs> he is. Everyone else figure out who. Well, maybe he's he's nice to you because you're because I'm nice to him. No, that's definitely not it. Because <laughs> I don't spend every episode of the podcast finding a way to make fun of him. <laughs> uh, it's not every podcast episode, but there's ah, there's man, a good job. Pretty close. He's he gets mentioned in almost every episode. He does. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, we I, I linked it in. The fellowship, if you guys want to check it out, um, but I don't know where else you can find it because I guess Wildfowl, but and uh, yeah. So, anyways, so we got the message on sub gauges. The whole theme tonight: sub gauges um, from Matt, a different Matt, Matt, um, Matt Groove. I was trying to remember his last name. Grove. So Grove. Grove, maybe it's Grove. Yeah. Typically, an E at the end makes the vowel long. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go ahead and read it. So I said, what's up, Jordan? Got a topic for your podcast. Had some debate with some family on whether or not sub-gauge guns are ethical. Just because you can kill game with a small gauge gun doesn't mean you should, question mark. Lots of questions have been asked on both sides of the argument. said, I'd be more on the... This is Matt saying this. I'd be more on the 12-gauge side. More pellets ups your odds of dispatching the game quicker. Don't need to use more expensive ammo to um, compete with less shot. Sub-gauges look at the person's best interest instead of the game. Uh, Just a few small examples to think of. Some people are diehards one way or the other. Just something to think of as people keep looking into and are interested in sub gauges. They said, keep up the good work, man. Um, and uh, I, I took a screenshot of it and it cut off there, but he said some other stuff. Uh, but that's the gist of his question. Um, so, yeah, it is an interesting topic for sure. So, um, Elliot, you want to take the first crack at it? I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted about it. I. Uh, I understand what he's saying, and there's part of me that agrees with him. I, I think it's situational. My, my concern is this. So you put a 28-gauge in Matt from High Price Sportsman's hands, I have zero issue with it. I know what his shot selection is, and I know what kind of hunter he is. I watched his video, and swear to you, this this goose flew over his head at about 25 yards, and he was like, this 28 gauge he's like oh i i just was afraid that was a lot of my range right it was literally it was so close and and that's that's looking through a gopro so with someone like matt or my friend matt farmer uses one from time to time or like the way chris jobman was talking then i don't have an, a big issue with it i gosh i'm so conflicted on so it. i'll be the devil's advocate on it so that okay so here we go um so Let's say it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to have bad shooting spurts. I mean, 
Um, even Matt with his 28 gauge went through some times where he was just dropping him stone. And then he had some days where he was missing a lot. Um, that's just being a hunter, you know, but that happens with a 12 gauge too, you know? Um, but wouldn't the argument be with a 12 gauge that you're less, you have, it's more forgiving because you have more pellets. So, uh, if you have a tight, a tighter pattern or a tighter, yeah, I guess a tighter pattern, um, or the What's circle. The, I don't know if it's tighter or it's less or more dense. It's, it's not. I don't think tighter is the issue. It's uh, the density of the. Pattern. Okay, yeah, that's the better word. So if if you have a more dense pattern, um, with a twenty eight gauge, so let's say at twenty yards, um, and your circle is the size of a, a dinner plate, right? So, um, at twenty yards, you're gonna have less pellets, right? Um, but if you had a wide open 12 gauge, maybe it's the size of uh, a beach ball, you know? I don't think, I say, I don't, I don't think so. I think the pattern, den- the pattern radius is going to be about the same. It's the density of the sh- of the shot inside of that pattern because you're getting, and I'm not much of an expert. This is my perception. I'm no expert in ballistics, trust me. But my perception is that your pattern, the size of your pattern, is going to be about the same if you're using proper choke and ammo combos. It's the number of pellets inside that um, that changes. So wouldn't you have to have a tighter? You'd have to have a tighter pattern or more restrictive choke tube to have the same density. So there, and you'd have a smaller diameter for your spread but i don't think at the same density diameter with those sub gauges and i could i could be wrong so don't eat me up on this guys i'm this is my perception i don't think you're i think that the um, pattern size is relatively the same it's just the number of pellets inside of it well i'm saying but if you if you so like let's say you're taking shots at 25 yards um to have the same density of shots you'd have to have a tighter restriction Right, but I don't think that you do have a tighter restriction with a sub gauge. If you, you put it, if you put in a tighter toe, you're missing what I'm right. saying. If yeah, okay. So let me let me flesh out my concerns real quick, okay, and then we can go back to to that. Sure, sure. I have no issue with elite shot selectors, elite hunters using these sub gauges, but it's catching on as a trend, and as a trend, you're going to have a lot some people do it because it's cool and because it's the trendy thing to do and i fully believe this statement if everyone out there shot a 28 gauge you're going to have more wounded birds than if everyone out there shot a 12 gauge because because of pattern density right so if on mass people use 28 gauge you're going to deal with a lot more cripples and a, and a lot more wounded because they don't have it takes a rare person to have the kind of discipline and shot selection needed to pass up the birds you have to pass up with the 28 gauge. There's been studies done and the amount of cripples that just the average guy shoots. I can't, I'm not going to quote the statistics because I don't have them on my brain right now, but the percentage of like how many shots that every three trigger pulls, there's a, or every 10 trigger pulls, there's a certain amount of, of birds that fly away wounded. So that number is going to go up if the masses use sub gauges just because of pattern density. And that's my concern is that as this catches on with a trend and, 
and people who aren't going to adjust properly adjust their shot selection. I read Matt's article. I read another one on Realtree. And both of them were agreeing you have to be more conservative with your shot selection using a, a sub gauge. You, especially, I don't think so much a 20 gauge, but when you get down into the 28 and the 410s, you've got to be more selective with your, with your shot selection. And I do not think that the masses, your average Joe waterfowler is, has the ability to be, to be conservative enough on their shot selection to be consistently shooting a 28 gauge or a 410. So, but you don't have any issue with a 20 gauge. I think a 20 gauge is, I don't, I think 20 gauges, you can pretty much shoot full range. If you're shooting a 28 gauge from what those articles, let, let me read to you this article from Realtree. <clears throat> I pulled out a, a section from it. This comes from, it's an article called um, small bore shotguns for duck hunting. It's on realtree.com slash waterfowl. Um, and the quote from this says your range is limited, but not necessarily due to the power, um, shot shell product line managers from federal premium ammunition. This is a quote from him. He said they have more than enough power, but at 40 yards with a five eighths or three eighths ounce payload, your patterns are going to start getting really skinny, meaning you're going to lose density of the shot. So 40 yards is too far to shoot with with some of these sub gauges, like a 28 gauge or 10, you can't, you really can't, you really can't switch out to it. And then in Matt's article, um, 28 gauge, it's all about shot selection, working birds and close. It's not for everyone. For example, my own preferred shot distance for ducks is 30 yards or closer. And this is Matt from higher Prairie sportsman. He's, I consider him an expert on sub gauges because he uses them constantly for geese. His distance is 25 yards and in that. So he feels like, Ducks have to be inside of 30 and geese have to be inside of 25 with a 12 gauge. You're really saying ducks have to be inside of 45 and geese have to be inside of 40. So that's a big difference. You're talking 10 full yards on 10 to 15 yards difference that you have to be able to gauge and judge in your mind and be willing to not take those shots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, yeah. All right. Average Joe can't do that. Average just hunt five, ten times a year guy's not going to pass up those shots. So if you put a twenty eight gauge in that guy's hands, it's not it's not okay. It's not ethical. Okay. Yeah, I'm conflicted as well. I'm definitely conflicted as well. And uh, you had me playing one side of the devil's advocate. Now I have to go back to the other. <laughs> Because you started out one way, but you went to the other. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to, yeah, let's just break it down a little bit. So, um, like, if it's a 1,400 foot per second shell out of a 410, or even if you just do 20 gauge and 12, right, the the pellets are going to be going the same speed yeah, no matter what when they hit that. So that's kind of what he's saying. It's going to have an, enough power but when you don't have, I mean, these shells are small. The numbers of pellets in them, especially down to 410, is pretty tiny. So you said you're fine with um, with expert or uh, confident shooters. Guys that, are, that really have the ability to stay inside those distances that Matt said. To really pass up 35-yard shots at ducks. That's hard. 35 yards is not that far. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. When you have, but when you're, when if you're going to use like a 28 gauge or 410, you already have it in your mind that that's what you're doing, or else you're not going to do it. You know, unless you're buying them because it's a trend. That's the guy I'm worried about. Yeah. I'm worried about the guys buying them just because it's a trend, but they don't really the, understand that or look into it, and they're just I, out there. With I feel like guns. those guys though are going to go out and. And if they have birds not falling, then they're just done. They're gonna they're gonna put it back away and get out the twelve gauge, because those wow. the people that you're describing are the people who, um, want to like stack piles and, um, yeah, you know, and, and all duck hunters want to kill right. ducks, but right. you know, I feel like they would be short lived on that trend, um, for sure. So then I guess the other end of it, you know, kind of going back to. Uh, my thought on why I got a 410 is like to train youth, which usually are not great shots, but they can't hold a 12 gauge and they can't take the, the umph of it. So it's like, you know, where do you fall on that? I mean, youth got, youth should shoot guns that can fit them properly. I mean, I, it's a tough one because it's like, which we've had this conversation before. How much do we value the life of a duck? How much do we value pain and suffering for a duck, right? So would you allow a kid to go out who really can't aim and shoot properly with a rifle and and pop shots at deer? Because you're worried. People tend to feel a lot worse about a wounded deer than a wounded duck. So it seems like the general consensus is that an individual deer's life is more valuable than an individual duck's life. Agree? Yeah, but uh, I mean, you can go one step further. Like nobody cares about a fish. Right, right. That's I mean, we we value different different animals differently. So it. Really, I mean, do you care about a fish? I'm just I'm just asking. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, yes, I can't stand it when people just throw fish out on the on the ground and let them sit there and suffer and suffocate. But like, as far as like, but wouldn't you feel worse about a a deer? Right, or, right. Or no, so there's a different level. Right. So my point is, it, it, the question is, how much value does the individual life of a duck have? If if you feel like that those each individual life and it's your ultimate goal to make sure that they don't experience pain and suffering, then you probably don't want a kid fling and steal with a 410. And I did, my kids used a 410. So I'm not, I'm don't hear me say you should not shoot a 10 with a 410. I'm saying these are the things that enter into the discussion into my head. Is it worth it? And to me to have a kid with a 410 on a day, winging some shots and getting that experience, I don't value the individual life of that duck enough to say, well, I'm not going to do this, right? But I would make that statement with the deer. So my my point is with, with your 410, I would say each individual person needs to weigh, is it worth saying, well, when I got these kids out there, we're probably going to wound some ducks and they're probably going to suffer you know, a little bit. But those those thoughts need to be considered yeah. in this. Well, even if, even if you take your buddy for the first time and he's a big, big dude that can handle a 12-gauge, if they're not a good shot, which most people when they first hunt ducks are not, then they're going to wound more ducks than, you know, you or me that have hunted, you know, that hunt 50 times a year, you know? Um, so yeah, there's definitely, it's definitely not an easy answer to any of it for sure. Um, I do think it's important to start people hunting regardless. I mean, I think yeah. unfor- that's just an unfortunate part of it. So I guess then it comes back to, can you minimize that completely? But there's there's just so many levels that you could go to because at that point it's like okay maybe we all should buy TSS and and be shooting the most expensive 
you know, put your money where your mouth is kind of thing, right? So it's like we should be spending the most possible in, on on taking out a duck 100% chance, right? Or maybe it's not 100% right. still, but so there's just so many levels you can go to. Yeah. We should and be shooting the, the, the far one would be 12 gauge, three and a half inch shell of uh, TSS loads. <laughs> yeah. And the article that I referenced, I don't know where Matt's did, but another one from Realtree was specifically talking about using bismuth and tungsten and, and what a great difference that makes, especially in those types of shells. So if you can, if you're going to shoot a 28 or a 410, and I would certainly feel better about it shooting bismuth. There's a part of me that wants a 28 gauge pretty bad, but what I don't know if I'll ever pull the trigger on it. I feel like if I take a 20 gauge out and the first time I wing a bird and it flies away and I know that it's wounded, it's going to be like, would I have killed that with a 12 gauge? Would I have eliminated the suffering of that animal with a 12 gauge? I feel like that would be in my mind more than I would like it to be. And maybe the answer is no. Maybe with a 12 gauge, you would have done the same thing. But I know that would be in my head more than what I would like. And that's one one reason why I kind of not sure that I want a 28 gauge, even though I'm really kind of drawn to the idea of it. And the article specifically talked a lot about volume impact in, in the surroundings. Like if you're using 28 gauge or a 410, the quiet, the, the woods get quiet a lot faster. Yeah. If you pop a 28 gauge. Then yeah. And you're not busting that, birds off the next pool right. or. Right. It makes it, and people aren't finding your locations as quickly if you're on public. They can't locate where you are as well. I really like that idea of that. I probably at some point probably will pull the trigger on a 28 gauge. I do love the idea of it. I, I am conflicted. So if it, uh, if it benefits you, you'll get a sub gauge. Well, like I said, it's a, it's a matter of how much I value each individual life of a duck. Do, yeah. do, I, do I say I have to do every single possible thing I can to make sure that as few a ducks as – you know, can there be a little collateral damage in me using a 20H gauge? Would I be willing to say, well, you know, there's a little bit of collateral damage as far as maybe I wound a few more here and there, but it's not significant. Am I willing to to deal with that? Um, yeah. And and maybe you've got ballistics experts that are out there that will be like, look, if you're inside of 25 yards, you're gonna you're not gonna see that difference because of the because of pattern size and density. That at 20 yards, maybe there you're not going to limit. Or maybe you're not going to wound more birds at 20 yards. I don't know enough about shot ballistics to really, in my mind, it yeah. seems like there would be. There should be, not. right? There should be. Because even if, if we go back to like you're having the bad shooting day and you just clip them with the edge of your pattern, well, it's going to yeah. be more, the edge of your pattern is going to be more dense with a 12 gauge than it would be with a, a 28. You know, that's just right. the, the math behind it, you know? Um, to me. And it's like, what percentage is it, you know? But it's definitely, I definitely, I feel like I have to say that it is some. But then, like, yeah, I know I've made the argument in the past, the past that, like, that you don't need more than a two and three quarter inch 12 gauge shell, right? But a three and a half right. inch shell should have more BBs. But, like, I, yeah, there's just so much that plays into it because, like, the two and three quarter doesn't, um, it doesn't kick as much. So you can get on that second shot way quicker. I mean, there's some three inch shells I've shot, three and a half inch shells. I mean, it'll kick and it'll jar you. And I mean, I'm a big dude and you know, and I feel like I can get on a bird more than twice as fast with like a two and three quarter or a 20 gauge. 
And so then you kill it with your second shot opposed to maybe you don't, maybe it's getting out of there. So I think there's a lot that plays into it um, for sure. So, and it's, it's hard to know, but I do feel like my gut, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's unethical though. I wouldn't go that far. And that, that was, I wouldn't say an individual is unethical for using. I'd say the right, it has, it needs to be the right individual. I think that there has to be some thoughtfulness that goes into it. There's some, some, it, you can't just, um, yeah. No. And, and to show how conflicted I am on the topic, just us having this conversation is making me want a 28 gauge even more. I, <laughs> I love, I love shooting ducks at 15 to 20 yards. I love nothing more than seeing birds that close. And the thought of having that little 28 gauge and popping them at 15 to 20 is really, really exciting to me. Yeah. Um, as, I mean, I have the shot selection just naturally that my dad instilled in me to do it. I mean, we pretty much stay within those limits all the time anyway. Um, maybe not quite that much. I do shoot birds at 40. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of want one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's the question, though, because, you know, is that to kind of fully answer his questions, like, does it benefit the person or the bird more if you use a, a sub gauge? So. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a, I think it's definitely a hard question to answer. And that's probably why he sent it to us because they're going back and forth and neither one of us is diehard one way or the other. We're like mm-hmm. we're both mixed feelings on it. So, um but like for me, uh, not mixed enough that I won't try at some point next year um on the right hunt and the right scenario to trap my 410 on some ducks. So. I think it would be the ultimate challenge to me is to have a single shot four ten or twenty eight. To me, that would be the adrenaline rush of okay, here comes that Drake. He's hovering at fifteen. I got one shot, right? And it may be having someone there beside you to back you up, and just the thought of you got that one shot to make that one clean kill seems really exciting. Yeah, not that I would buy a single shot, but I'm, I I think that would be pretty fun. Yeah, I do too. But not as fun as a semi-automatic. <laughs> right, right. If I bought one, it would be a semi. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Just being tactical. Because uh, a lot of times, I mean, you know, I, I get crap for only taking one shot at a time for people because I'm trying so hard to not wound birds and because I love seeing how high a shooting percentage I shoot. So I get I, – we shoot one shot at a time all the time, just naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope honestly, I feel like our answer is not going to be satisfactory for him because <laughs> we just bounced all over the place. Um, but yeah, I guess that's going to be the final verdict. Just mixed mixed feelings on it. Um, but I guess I lean more. I I don't want to restrict people from from using sub gauges if they want to for their own. Like you're saying, if you want to uh, do it a different way. Um, for fun, or if you want to get kids out there. Um, and I don't feel like it's going to be such an extreme number of extra birds getting crippled from it that it'd make a difference in a duck population. And even it's saying that, it makes me feel bad as far as like but, individual, but individual ducks. Right. But it's not going to affect the species, it will affect the individual. And if you really go to the extreme and say, hey, Wounding birds is such an epidemic in the waterfowl hunting community, which it is like no other hunting game 
I don't believe there's any other game that sees the type of the type of wound and loss that that waterfowl hunting does. I don't think that there is. I can't think of another one. But if you're coming from the standpoint of this is such a huge issue, the amount of birds that get wounded, and if you've ever been to a big refuge and walk along dikes, you can see wounded birds coming out like crazy from in in the weeds and stuff. I have. So if you look at it, it's like this is an epidemic. We need to do every single thing that we can to limit this because this could be used against us as as a group, which it definitely could be. Then I think you could make a strong case that twelve gazers are what need to be shot by everyone, just in gen, just in general. I think you that case can be made. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, I guess you live in a more waterfowl populated area. I've never been out to a a place where I've just seen tons of cripples i might see like a a cripple goose on the ice at at the end of season here there um but not in any large quantities i'm not seeing where i'm at anyways i walked the dike one time at this area that i hunt every now and then the reason i don't hunt it is because the number of people that hunt it and the number of people i've seen guys set up their spinner at 45 yards just begin back off and sit on buckets out at this place. I mean, it's just garbage the way they, the the culture of this area. And I walked this dike, and I mean, it was staggering the number of crippled birds that were tucked up against the dike in the weeds. And then there's like a boat channel where it's open water, so I'd flush them out of the weeds that are right up against the dike out in the open water. It was mind blowing how many cripples just walking the dike that that came came out from there. It was a real eye opener to me. Mm. It was a bad situation. Wouldn't you say that ninety, probably ninety-five percent of the people hunting them, they were, were shooting twelve gauges anyway? Oh, for sure, right. So the sub gauges isn't the issue. No, and in, in those birds, the sub gauges isn't the issue. The point is, is that the number of birds that are being wounded and lost is is so staggering. And I wish I had those numbers in front of me that I could throw out some statistics on it. I did in a different podcast. It's such a horrible problem that promoting the community as this sub gauges is what is perfectly fine and acceptable. Go do it. Go shoot a 28 gauge. If you're going to run that narrative, when we have this type of wounding problem already, then an an argument can be made that that's not the proper direction for the, for the waterfowl community to go. Yeah. 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 There's definitely, yeah. A lot of, like a lot of different arguments you can make in different directions. But I mean, kind of, you know, another idea, it's like we talked about, you know, more expensive loads and stuff like that, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like bismuth out of a 28 gauge is probably comparable to steel out of a, a 12 though. It might be, especially so, at close ranges. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When it's still just, it still comes down to pattern density, but, um, every pellet in that is packing more of a punch, but yeah, you get out of a certain range where you have holes in your pattern and, and you're just, uh, hitting them with, a. Uh, a couple BBs in the butt or something. I mean, that that's not going to matter what density it is. I don't think you're going to drop a bird, but right. yeah. So it definitely still comes down to pattern density um, with that selection. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, I guess on bismuth too, you can go with a smaller shot size, which gives you more pellets. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even think about that. We didn't even add that into it. That's true. That, that definitely helps you with those, sub gauges where you're already hurting on uh your uh pattern density it would be interesting to get someone on that was you know whether it's brandon from boss or whoever which we've had him on before and just talk about 
pattern density with these different loads. It would be very interesting to to have someone on that actually fully under scientifically understands these things. And we're just kind of going from what we think we know yeah. on it. We're throwing some bro science out there. Right. Right. So yeah, just take everything we said with a grain of salt. We're just talking it over how we feel about how we think about it. Um, and yeah, there's just, honestly, there's too many variables for us to comprehend and get a 100% accurate take on it. Um, and I don't put a lot of, I've seen some of the studies they've done. Like we've talked about Tom Roster in the past and watched the documentary and like even their way of doing like uh like a study, man, it's hard to do a study. I'll tell you that. So uh, I know there's some people that give, um, some, um, uh, negative thoughts towards those, those, uh, studies they've done but i mean it's really really hard to do a study watch the documentary they're standing there with a laser gun and past shooting geese uh at different yardages with steel and with lead and and uh getting like their data that way it's like that's really hard because you think about the sample size and all that so um yeah and that's old data too old yeah super old i mean that's when they're talking about switching from lead to steel so um, right. it'd be really interesting to see if anyone has like up to date studies on that kind of stuff too. Um, you know, who knows if they did, that'd be awesome. I'm an awesome one to do study with sub gauges and all that. But then it comes to, I mean, the, the whole problem with studies anyways, it feels like people are trying to find an outcome when they're, when they're, you know, funding a, a study like this anyway. Right. Yeah, they they certainly want it to be a certain direction because there's some company that's funding it that needs some data to tell them it, whatever, and they're the ones that pay the check. So yep. it's hard to know. Yeah, and that's true in all areas of life. You know, it's like that's why anymore no one believes anything. Well, did you know that this percentage of this and that, and that's why you should think about this? Like, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, don't quote me some studies. Not going to change my mind about anything. I don't know about that study. Yeah, that's probably why you always vote Democrat. No. <laughs> I voted Libertarian a bunch. I'm a Democrat. That's a promise. There you go. All righty. Now. <laughs> bombs, man. <Some> bombs. <laughs> Get away from my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is this is the Pink Floyd song any more viable now than that's like teachers leave those kids alone? It's like, is it any more viable of a song than that right now? Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's Sorry, for sure. You got me. Sorry. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, you know, thanks for the question, Matt. I hope, uh, hope we at least touched on it a little bit. I, yeah, I feel like we probably didn't do any better than, uh, your discussion you probably had with your buddies and family trying to hash it out. So, um, definitely a touchy subject, but I, I can feel both sides of the, the argument there. You got any last words, Elliot? I can too. I can feel both sides of this argument. I will probably at some point end up with the 28 gauge in my hand, even though a lot of what I said, it seems like it's counter. So it's a difficult topic, but fun to talk about. Yep. All right, fellas. I'm Jordan from Duck and Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck and we'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs>